you're my cousin. So, hey cousin, what's up? What's going on? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. Man, I am just so ecstatic that we get the opportunity, we get to be here, that we get to come here and be with our family at FBC, and so that just means so much to me. Um, so uh, thank you to everybody who set it up. I can't thank Pastor Matt and Crystal because they didn't do it, but <laughs> thank you to everybody else who did it. I'm so glad to be here. So listen, I want to tell you something that your pastors are extremely special, and they are extremely rare. Yes. They are extremely special, and they are extremely Extremely rare. Uh, Pastor Matt and Crystal are pillars, not just at this church, not just at the building, but in the kingdom of God. Like when you, when you get past just being a pillar, like hood famous, we call it hood famous. Cause like in our city, Pastor John and I are hood famous. But when we lose, when we leave our city, like no one knows who we are. They're like John and Kaya, so what big deal. But uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal, they have gone beyond hood famous, man. They're kingdom famous yeah. and they are pillars in the kingdom. And I am so, so, so godly thankful for them. They have not just walked with you guys through some amazing things, but they have walked through us with us through some amazing Amen. times. And it means the world to us. So we're just so happy to be here and to um, love on them. I want to tell you some things about Pastor Matt and Crystal because I got the mic. So this is what I'm about to do. <laughs> So usually at our church, it's, like, it's a kind of a tradition. I don't know where it came from and why I started doing it. But whenever I preach on Sundays or on our midweek service, I always do some story that will embarrass my husband. Just because. Like, why not? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's fun. So I want to tell you guys something about Pastor Matt. All right? Yes. So one of the things I really love about Pastor Matt is he can literally go anywhere at any time and make new friends. Like anywhere, anytime. So anytime he comes to our city, I feel like he's like showing us up because like we're in the CVS and he's evangelizing and he's witnessing and he's talking about the goodness of the Lord and what church do you go to? And if you don't go to a, to a church, why not? And then I'm thinking, yeah, why don't I talk about Jesus in the CVS? I mean, like he comes to my city and he puts me to shame because every single town or, or, or store we go through, man, he's just making us like look bad. <laughs> But that's what happens when you're kingdom famous. Like it doesn't matter when you are in your church or when you step foot outside of your church. Like you are the church. Like he is the church. He's like, I don't need no altar. I don't need no pulpit. I got Jesus on the inside of me. Hey, do you know Jesus? What church do you go to? My friends are pastors. Go to their church right now. I love that. And so every single time he leaves our city, I'm like, I'm going to witness Jesus in the CVS. From now on, that's what I'm going to do. So every single time, it's like literally like a little mini revival we have. Like, yeah, come on, babe, let's do this. We can talk about Jesus at the gas station. All right, Pastor Crystal, I want to tell you guys something about Pastor Crystal. Pastor Crystal is literally the definition of chill. Like she is the definition of chill. Tone Loke don't got nothing on her. She is always on chill mode. It doesn't matter what is going on. And believe me, we've had some, some turbulence. Okay. Like it ain't always rainbows and sunflowers when we hang, be hanging out. Sometimes it'd be, it'd be stuff going on. And you want to know what Pastor Crystal's doing every time? Chilling. (laughs) Chilling. Like she is constantly on chill mode. The only time I see her fired up is when she's talking about Jesus because I love the word of God. 
the only time she like breaks a sweat when she opens up the Bible. Then all of a sudden she's got so much to say. Where you been? Where you been this whole time? (laughs) But one of the things I love about Pastor Matt and Crystal, man, they're just cut from a different cloth. Like it doesn't matter how much money they got or what they don't have. Like literally they are always the same. And I just want to tell you guys that like as their friends, that you guys, even when the spotlight's not on them, they are exactly the same at our house, at their house at the CVS and at the gas station, guys, they are always the same. And that's what makes it so special about knowing kingdom famous people like Pastor Matt and Crystal. And so I just wanted to just give a quick little reminder to you guys that, man, you guys have something very special and something very rare. Because Pastor John and I don't be witnessing Jesus at the CVS. We don't. I'd be like, dude, give me the Tylenol. Hurry up. I'm just saying. So I just want to remind you guys that you indeed have something special. God has given you a gift to equip you for this life that he has called you to. He did not leave you comfortless. He gave you Holy Spirit and Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal. Dude, you got everything you need. Everything you need. Jeremiah 3 and 15, it says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I want to point something out of that message, I mean, of that scripture, is that the Lord says, I will give you. I feel like it's important that we notice that it says, I will give you. Because sometimes it's like, oh, you need a shepherd, God? Oh, you need a shepherd? Got it. I can do that. Whatever you need, Lord. But the thing is that, listen, if the Lord didn't give it, baby, forget it. Can I just say that? Like, you guys want to tweet it? Go ahead. I mean, I'm just not telling you what to do, but I'm saying you can. It's at the butcher's wife on uh, Instagram. But if the Lord, listen, if the Lord didn't give it, baby, forget it. Don't forget to put baby in there. Don't forget to uh, tag me. Now, the problem with the problem with good leadership, though, as such as Pastor Matt and Crystal, the problem with good leadership is that everybody thinks they can do it. Like everybody thinks they can do it. When you do it good and under the unction of the Holy Spirit with the anointing, it looks easy. Why? Because God says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the anointing starts flowing and everybody's like, I can do that. And you know what? Not only can I do it, but I can do it better. Believe me, I know because when Pastor John starts dancing and he be doing the robot or whatever it is that he did last time he was here, when he's dancing, it looks easy. And I'm like, I can do that. And then I try and I cannot. You need the Holy Spirit. So listen, let me tell you guys something. Don't go running out without the Holy Spirit's permission. Ask him, God, God, do you got me? God, do you got me? And if he says no, sit down. Have a seat. Sit down. Okay? Y'all can go ahead and tag me on that one too. Sit down. Sit down right now. Okay, so the thing is that Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal make it look so easy that the problem is so many Christians or wannabe Christians think that they can do it. But let's go back to the scripture. If God didn't give it, baby, forget it. Okay, that's the Kaya translation of Jeremiah. Thank you. I know that Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal make planting a church while raising kids who are amazing, by the way, while having a great marriage, while being fit and looking like Ken and Barbie. I know they think make it look really, really easy, all while pastoring a church of amazing people that Pastor John and I want to steal every single one of you guys. Like literally, it's like, Pastor John, Pastor Matt, uh, I want to trade you. I'll trade you. I'll trade you our Billy for your Billy. <laughs> Or either I'll give you five of 
of my billies for one of your billies. I'm just saying. But like, because it doesn't work like that, because we don't have a Holy Ghost draft, which I'm still praying about that. I'm trying to ask the Lord why. Like, why don't we have a kingdom draft? If NFL needs it, don't you think we do? I'm just saying. Okay. But even though Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal make it very easy, if God didn't give it, then baby, forget it. Because there's some equipping that you're going to need for this journey. I'm just saying, not only, we're not even talking about just Pastor Matt and Pastor Crystal, but a lot of people make being a Christian look easy, especially when you start looking on social media. You know, those wannabe Christians that make looking, uh, being a Christian look super easy and like attractive. They're like, I serve Jesus and I'm super attractive and I'm fit and I... You know what I mean? Because they like know how to work the filters. That's what I'm trying, I'm trying to say. Y'all don't know about that. You, some people know how to work the filters so good. It ain't real though. So be careful following after people's social media. It's a curse from the devil. Many people have tried this Christian life, but it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for everybody. People do that, have that little, uh, you know, saying, if you scare, go to church. No, baby, if you scare, you better stay away from church because we up in here living to a different standard than everybody else. The world says, do what you feel. We're like, what does the word say? Do you get what I'm saying? Everybody can just do what they feel. Everybody can't follow the word of God. Many people have tried, but if you don't have it and that the Lord didn't give it, baby, just forget it. So here's the thing. Let's face it. The starting line. I like to, I like to think about racing because to me, you know, I don't know if it was me or if the Lord gave me this, but about like run your race. Cause like Holy, Holy Spirit does that sometimes. Like sometimes I'll be like, yeah, like run your race. Like I feel like running a race is like super like effective talking about our journey as Christians. Because guess what? The starting line is for everybody. It's for whomsoever. It's like the Lord sends out this invitation for the starting line. Who wants to come? And guess what? Everybody's catching it. And a lot of times, and I'm not sure if anybody's done a 5K, you know, they're like, they're like fun. They're like, it's not like too much pressure. And so, so a lot of times me and my friend, we like to, we like to get like matching shirts. You know what I'm saying? We like to get the tutus and we'd be like starting line. And we'd be like, let's take a picture. We're starting. And you know, like, cause the starting line is for everybody. Like everybody's there. Right. And then, so like everybody's pumped up, like everybody's like, yes, we about to kill this. Why? Because the starting line's for everybody. Right whomsoever, right? Everybody can come to the starting line, right? So the starting line and the, the Christian, our Christian race is like a runner that gets down on the starting blocks of our starting line. And everybody looks good at the start. Cause I did my hair. I did my makeup. Me and my friend, we have matching shirts and matching tutus. We about to kill it. But how many know that the finish line is only reserved for a few? See, that's the thing. A lot of times we don't be thinking about the finish line. We be just thinking about how it start. Cause like, you know what? I think I can do this. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I read my Bible. I can be a pastor. And guess what? The starting line's for everybody. Nobody's going to tell you, no, you cannot. No one's going to tell you, no, I forbid you. Why? Cause the starting line's for everybody. 
So like a runner in the starting blocks of a race, you get down all confident, all bold, all cute, you know, with your shirt and your tutu and you're ready to kill it. Not knowing that the finish line is only reserved for those that can endure to the end. Mm. A lot of times people don't talk about the finish line. They just start to talk about the starting line. People are super excited. Let me tell you, I'll tell you this right now. And you can, you can, you can experiment if you want to. You can say, I'm going to start something. I mean, I don't just make it up. I don't even care. I'm about to start. I'm about to start painting frogs. You could just say, Hey guys, put it on social media. I'm about to start painting frogs. Do you know you'll get a crowd of people to show up to see what your start looks like? Cause look, people love things when it starts. Because it's exciting, it's provocative, you know, it's exciting, like, oh, what's this going to be? What's going to happen? But a lot of times, what happens to the crowd for the finish line? Not only can you sometimes not endure to the finish line, but your friends, your crew, your squad is not even finish line worthy. So if the Lord didn't give it, come on, y'all, quote me, baby, forget it. If the Lord didn't get it, give it, baby, forget it. Everyone is allowed to start the same way because we all start at the feet of Jesus we all start at the feet of Jesus. The cross is for everyone. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's full of excitement and ideas and passion, etc. But the, the guarantee to see everybody at the finish, it's not a guarantee. So even though, say we all got saved on the, on the same day, it's not a guarantee that I'd see you at the end. We can all say, no, I'm going to finish. Why? Because I got heart. I'm no quitter. I'm no punk. I'm going to finish. We like to say that, right? Just like a runner at the starting blocks. We all got that posture, but it's for those that endure to the end. And a lot of times it's not our, it's not our physical health or it's not our resources that keep us from enduring. It's our hearts. People fall off because of their hearts. It's almost like in 2020, we've all been duped. It's like somebody secretly signed us all up for a Spartan race and we didn't know we were on there. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I mean, I believe I don't have to ask everybody in this room if 2020 has been hard. We all have stories that can probably match or one up each other. Like we could stand in line and be like, let me tell you what 2020 did to me. We've, we're on a Spartan race, you guys. And we're all dirty and we're all a hot flaming mess right now. And we're hoping that somebody throws us an arm to get up over this wall. Cause we're looking like, dude, seriously, again, a, some, another obstacle. Like when, it, when are we getting to the end of this thing? People fall off Luke 21 and 26. It says this men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. When you start at a Spartan race, you can look cute if you want to. You can get your matching shirts if you want to. You can get your matching tutus if you want to. You can take all the selfies you want, but we would love to see you at the finish line. Right. Pastor Jay knows, man. Pastor Jay's been in a couple of 20, uh, uh, Spartan races and he don't start off looking as cute as he did at the beginning. At the end, he looks a little different than he did at the beginning. And there's some other men in here that's been in the Spartan race. Man, Spartan races are brutal, and so have 2020. We are on the 2020 Spartan race, and I pray that you endure to the end. Listen, it's important for us to know what's really in our hearts. Because what's in our hearts can come and interfere with some things that we have planned to do. Not just in 2020, but in 2021, in the legacy of our family, in the kingdom of God. There's some things that the Lord has placed in our hearts and some dreams and some visions that the Lord has given us. But if you don't check what's in your heart, you may not reach to the the end. You may not reach endure to the end. 
it's not just what's in our heart. What's on our heart is important because it's our spiritual currency. Or in another way, title of today's message is what's in your wallet. What's in your wallet? Not your natural wallet, but your spiritual wallet. Like whatever's in your heart, how far can it take you? How much can you endure? How many obstacles can you get over? How many setbacks can you get set back with before you just turn around and just quit? What's in your wallet? How far can you go and will we see you at the finish? First Peter 1 and 7 in the NLT, it says these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. The end. That's talking about enduring to the end. Nobody's looking at you. Want to know how great you start. Baby, we want to see how great you finish. So what's in your wallet? Because there's some things that we got to do. There's some things that we got to say. There's some people that we got to save. There's some things that we got to start. But we got to first check and see what's in our wallet so we can get to the end and endure. What's really in you to do, to be, to overcome, to endure says everything because we can talk a big game because believe me i know how to talk a lot but when crystal says she's going for a run i'm like "Mm." i'm just saying do you get what i'm saying like in california i'd be like yeah i'm fit i'd be on her phone with her i'd be like yeah girl i just worked out you know girl i was just running and stuff and you know i'm really my stamina's really improving like i mean i'm like doing really good i think i lost another five pounds yeah girl and then I come to her house and she's like, all right, I'm going for a run. I'm like, <laughs> because sometimes you're going to have to put some action to those words. So I'm just saying, sometimes we got to be careful about what we're talking about because stuff, stuff's going to get called on the carpet and we're going to be like, okay, let's see you work. What's in your wallet? And so, yeah, 2020 for me, for Pastor John, for the Building Christian Fellowship, man, it's been this crazy Spartan race. You know, COVID happened and the lockdown happened and these race wars start happening and everybody's looking at us like Pastor John, Pastor Kaya, what do you think? What do you say? What do you want to want? And then all of a sudden we wake up and Pastor John's having a stroke. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? And I'm on this Spartan race and I'm already dirty and I'm already tired and my cute shirt is torn and my tutu got left back in the swamp river. And then here comes Pastor John with this stroke, man. And I'm like, checking my wallet because stuff's getting real. And my first thought is, Lord, if you're allowing this to come to our our doorstep today, then you must put enough in me to get through this. And my kids are looking at me like, mom, what are we going to do? And then our leaders are looking at us at our, at me at our church and they're saying, what are we going to do? And then pastor John's on the phone trying to talk to me at the hospital and he can't even talk. And he's like, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on right now? And I don't know what's in my heart, but Lord, I'm just praying that I have enough to endure. And the Lord says so clear. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Sometimes we look at all these trials and all these things that come, keep coming to our door in this Spartan race that won't end and all these obstacle courses and these ropes and these barbed wires and they just keep coming. 
like waves. And you're thinking, is this something I'm doing? Am I asking for all this stuff to come? And the Lord's like, no, it's the testimony that fortifies your faith. It's the testimony that gives you the strength and the stamina to endure. It's the testimony that allows the world to see not just what you're going through, but who's taking you through it. Because people are looking at me and they're saying, Kaya, how are you standing? Kaya, how are you still proclaiming the word of God? Kaya, how are you still smiling? How are you still raising your kids? And I'm saying it's nothing but the but the, the spirit of God that's dwelling on the inside of me. That's the only way I'm able to still continue in this obstacle course but we got to ask the question what's in your wallet husbands wives what's going on what's in your wallet can you stay can you remain faithful to your family can you remain faithful to your church can you be obedient to your pastor because everybody because here's the thing everybody can get a good selfie of having a great moment Because believe me, every time I look cute, I'm taking a selfie. But it's on those raggedy moments. It's them raggedy moments that people don't see. I don't always take selfies on the raggedy moments. I decide I'm busy that day. Everybody can be known for having a great moment. But us at FBC and the Building Christian Fellowship, we want to be known for having a great life. For being those that endure to the end. Not being those that looked polished and clean at the starting line, but for those that endure to the finish line. That's who we are. That's who we are. But it takes discipline, being a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. We've got to pop the hood and check and see what's going on in our heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. And it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? You know when I think of a desperate and a wicked heart? I think of a hostage that I tied up in the back room that nobody knows about. I've gagged him and I've tied him up, right? And I didn't leave the room until I felt he was he was very secure, And you know what happens as soon as I turn my back and as soon as I walk out the door, the heart is trying to do everything he can to get out of the ties and the discipline and the laws and the principles of God and the word of God. And the heart is trying everything it can to squeeze out of that gag so that it can be wicked and it can be corrupt. That's the picture of your heart. I know a lot of us like to be like, but I have a good heart and God knows my heart. Yeah, baby, God knows your heart and it's desperately wicked. You better tie that thing up so you can endure to the end. Because some of us, we, we, we think, oh, I don't have to tie my heart up. My heart is just naturally good. I just naturally think good things when I see people. I'd be like, look at her. She's great and he's great and I love her and I love him. No, honey, your heart is desperately wicked, just like the rest of us. You better tie and gag that thing up because if not, it won't allow you to endure to the end. Everything about my heavenly father screams, come to me. Come higher, come closer, go deeper. Everything about him. His yoke is easy and his burdens is light. He's called me to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things become new. And I'm like, yes, 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 Lord. That's what I want. And then everything in my heart cries, it's too hard. It's too much. It's not fair. And it's my turn to rest. It's wicked. It's trying to talk us out and out of everything the Lord is calling us to. And I feel like if I don't make these extreme, drastic, animated uh, examples, I feel like a lot of us won't get how desperate our hearts are. Because we really think 
we have a great, nice heart. So here's the question. What's the cure for the deceitful heart? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. How can I stop my heart from talking me out of being a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ? How can I allow my heart to, to talk me out of being obedient to my pastors who are amazing kingdom famous people? How do I keep, uh, allow uh, uh, my heart to keep talking me out of being faithful to my family, to my husband, to my kids, to my job, to being the person and upholding, upholding the standard that God has called me to? It's a deeper and closer relationship with the Lord. So Galatians 2 and 20 amplified it says this i have been crucified with christ that is in him i have shared his crucifixion it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me the life i now live in the body i live by faith by adhering to relying on and completely trusting in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me being able to stop letting your deceitful wicked heart talk you out of the life that god has called you to is having your funeral. Like maybe today's a good day. Like maybe tonight's a good night to just be like, you know what? I should have crucified you flesh long time ago. But tonight's going to be the night. And when I wake up tomorrow, it's not going to be my thoughts. It's not going to be my desires. It's not going to be my plans. It's going to be like, Lord, what, what's next? What we got? What's next? What do we have? Because intimacy with God, it, it, there's a cost to it. Because if not, our flesh is, always has a vote. It's like, I don't know if you guys used to watch that show with the, with the people and the survivor. Yeah, survivor. And then they'd cast a vote on who they thought would be voted off. Guess what? A lot of times we think because we pray and we ask the Lord that our flesh don't cast a vote. Like our flesh is always casting a vote. Like the Lord will be like, hey, today I want you to call so-and-so and I want you to let your mom know that you forgave, that you forgive her for what she did to you, for what she said to you. That's what I want you to do today. And then your flesh will be like, well, here's my vote. I vote. You never call her. I vote you call her and tell her again how mad she made you. Not only did she hurt you, she hurt your kids. Yeah, you're going to let her do that? I'm casting my vote. So I'm telling you, crucifying this flesh, having a funeral for this flesh is probably the best thing that you will ever do. Because sometimes we have to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Why are you talking flesh? You dead. Why are you talking? You're dead. Dead man talking. But it's through fasting. It's through serving, it's through giving, it's through laying our lives down. It's for showing up to the ministry times when you said you were going to show up. It's for when the little buzzer goes off on your phone saying, hey, you're serving this Sunday. You're not ignoring it and allowing your flesh to cast a vote and be like, I got to, I got to cut my toenails that day. (laughs) But it's being committed and faithful to constantly crucifying that flesh over and over And over again to a point where the flesh is like, you know what? I'm not getting up because every time I get up, she fasts again. Every time I get up, then she starts speaking in tongues or starts praying louder or she starts going over to her neighbor's house, cooking her soup. You know what? I'm not getting up because when you crucify your flesh over and over again, all of a sudden you find yourself being a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Our flesh is relatable to a two-year-old toddler. You got to realize this. I know some of you are probably offended and you're saying, Pastor Matt, never allow that woman to come back again. I am not a two-year-old. Listen, I'm not calling you a two-year-old. I'm saying your flesh is a two-year-old toddler. I mean, it has a diaper and everything and it should have been potty trained a long time ago. I'm saying it's that kind of toddler. 
like going up to the mom saying, juice, no, it's a toddler. And so if you don't train and be disciplined in bringing it to, into subjection constantly, you will have an unruly toddler on your hands when everybody's going to be seeing it. You know how it is, moms. Y'all know how we be. When somebody's kids running around tearing up stuff and the mom's like, isn't he cute? And you're like, no. <laughs> there is nothing cute about that. Can we get some discipline? Well, guess what? Someone's looking at you and your flesh the same way. Every time you keep lying, every time you keep gossiping, every time you keep not showing up. Oh, you're not tithing, toddler. I mean, we're not even going to go there. Oh, you can't show up to church on Sunday because you're the football game's on, toddler. Toddler. I mean, we need to start doing that at church. I mean, like when people be like, oh, yeah, man, I didn't make it because, you know, you know, my toe was aching. So I decided to sit that one out. Toddler. Because, you know, especially if the men do it to each other, it's like, oh, who you calling a toddler? Well, I'm just saying. Toddler. Toddler. Just saying. Let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. I'll be back in California when that happens. Let me know. So listen, I love to use uh, Peter as an example. Peter is actually one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I know it's weird because like he, he, you know, he made a lot of mistakes and stuff like that, but he reminds me of me a lot, I'm just saying. So I like to use a lot of examples about Peter. And so I want you guys to turn to John chapter 13, 37 through 38. And I want to tell you some background story on Peter, okay? So Peter had asked the Lord, listen, because Jesus was trying to get them ready. I mean, like all throughout the Bible, when you guys read the gospels, Jesus was telling them what's going to happen. Like, I'm not going to be with you long. Right. Stuff's going to happen. I'm going to have to give up my life, right? But Peter, because, you know, he's like, Psh, not through me. They got to come through me. I'm like that. I'm like that. People will say something to Pastor John or to the kids. I'm like, Psh, not through me. You're going to have to come through me because, ooh, big bad Kaya. She's going to do so much. <laughs> So Peter was constantly asking these questions like, well, well, what do you mean? And, and well, then we can fix it or don't say that Lord. And the Lord literally had to get to a point where he was like, you know what? Satan, get behind me. Stop trying to stop me from the plan and the purpose in my life. Just because you don't like it don't mean it's God's plan. So stop speaking against it. Dude, why don't, why don't we do more things like that? When it's like, well, I'm, 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 I'm not doing this because I'm, I'm honoring the Lord in this, or I'm not doing this. I'm consecrating myself in this week, or I'm not doing this. And somebody's like, no, come on. It doesn't take all that. Just eat the cake. Get behind me, Satan, toddler, Satan, toddler. (laughs) Just combine them. Just put them all together. Get behind me, Satan, toddler. Okay. So let's read John chapter 13, 37 and 38. And it says this, and Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. Mm. Jesus answered, die for me? Die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Mm. See, this is a picture of my heart, you guys. Like, can I just tell on myself? I'm not even going to talk about you guys right now. I'm just going to talk about me, okay? Like, this is a picture of my heart at the starting block of the race, when I'm running my race, okay? This is me at the starting block. It's like, Lord, not only will I not deny you, Lord, I will die for you. If somebody comes in here right now and they'll say, denounce uh, denounce Jesus, uh, deny Jesus or die, I'll be like, I will never. That's my heart. That's who I am. But sometimes I don't know, really know what's in my wallet. And Peter didn't really know what was in his wallet. 
Do you get what I'm saying? But it was like, Peter, Jesus was like, Peter, Peter, <clears throat> not only will you deny me, not die for me, but you'll deny me three times. And I believe that that was a blessing that the Lord even did that. He didn't even have to do that because the Lord, he, he, he discerns our heart. He's a discerner of hearts. So we, we, we give prayers all the time. We make promises in our prayers all the time. Like, Lord, I vow, I promise from this day forward, Lord. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that's done that. I do that so many times. And the Lord is so good. He doesn't even get, he doesn't even be like, Kaya, stop. I'm so tired of your lies. Like he doesn't even do that. He doesn't do that. Like he'll just be like, bless her. But so many times I've stood at the altar with a, with a face and full of tears and nose full of snot, just vowing to the Lord, like how I want to live for him, how I want to die for him, how I want to lay down my life for him, how I want to just give him everything that I can. And then the alarm goes off at 5 a.m. because I said, Lord, I'm going to meet you at 5 a.m. And I'm going to pray the heavens down and I'm going to make COVID go away because I'm getting up at 5 a.m. And I'm going to declare the power and the strength of the Lord. And then I hit snooze once and then I hit snooze twice and then I hit snooze three times and I hear a rooster and then I'm like Lord what happened what happened I just I got that was really in my heart but the Lord really knew that it, I didn't ha- I, what was in my wallet I really didn't have it I didn't have it I was like Jesus I want to buy you lunch he was like girl you ain't got it you don't got it But just like Peter, I've denied him in war one way. I mean, I'm just saying it's not like exactly Peter, but what I'm saying in our own way, we have denied Christ. And I'm not trying to tell you what you've done, but you are a human, right? And your heart's desperately wicked, right? Just like mine. Yeah, you've denied Jesus. We have in one way or another, we have denied him just like Peter have. But the moment, the, but the moment Peter said it, I believe that the God already knew how deceitful his heart was. That the, his like Peter, Jesus looked at Peter and was like, mm, "I know what Peter wants to do, but his heart's not going to let him get there. His heart's not going to let him make it." So where Jesus responded with, "Not only will you not die for me, but you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows." And the moment Peter said it. God already knew his deceitful heart, but there was something significant about the timestamp of the crow. And I just want to talk about that really quick, just because when I read the word of God, like these kind of things like really stick out to me because I'm really visual and I created this whole cartoon in my head. And so this timestamp was really interesting because roosters were crowing all the time. I mean, there was nothing special about a rooster crowing where it was like, whoa, was that a rooster? We haven't got no roosters around these parts. I mean, like, no, it was like roosters crowing all the time. Do you get what I'm saying? But Jesus gave him this specific timestamp of a rooster crowing. And in, the, in that area, roosters were typical. It's like God's trumpet of a new morning, of a new day, a new dawn, a new beginning. And it was something very significant about the rooster crow. And um, it, it, it signifies a lot of things like uh, opening your eyes, now it's time, or whatever, you know. But I believe Jesus gave Peter the time marker of the crow so that Peter would remember Jesus' words. Because we're like that. Like, have you ever been in a store and a song comes on and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember where I was when I heard this song. Yeah. Or have you ever smelt something? And you're like, oh, this reminds me of the cafeteria at elementary school. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, like certain things can happen and then instantly it takes you back to this memory. And I believe that the Lord gave him that timestamp to be able to allow his flesh and his mind to come back in line to remember what he says. Because listen, I don't know about you guys, but I've prayed some things that I've forgotten. Has the Lord ever blessed you with something? You're like, I forgot I even asked for that. So the thing is that the Lord not only knew that Peter was going to deny him, but Peter wasn't even going to remember the conversation. Why? Because that's how heated things got. That's how, that's how, um, aggressive the situation got that Peter didn't even remember what he promised the Lord, you know, like COVID, like race wars, like quarantine, like your husband has a stroke, like stuff getting heavy, heavy. Where you won't even remember some conversations that you have with the Lord because you're just under so much stress. And so although all the disciples scattered, they all ran different ways, except for John, Peter followed from afar. And I feel like Peter could have scattered like the rest of them, but he didn't. He followed from afar and we all know what happened. He denied him two times. The first time he denied him. The second time he denied him. But I believe it was on the third time that he really felt it the most. Reason why I know is because he reached back to who he used to be and he cursed, you know, like that cursing sailor. I don't know if any of you guys have really let go of some of those garments of your old man where it's like, you don't really kind of do those things anymore, but there's certain moments where it's like something in you or something in your flesh will reach back to some old ways you used to be. And all of a sudden you're thinking, man, if I was who I used to be, woo. Do you know what I'm saying? I know I'm not the only one that's like, man, they better be glad. <laughs> they better be glad I'm not 1995, Kaya. Because <laughs> 1995, Kaya, woo. But Peter reached back to his old self on that third time and instantly the rooster crowed. So there it was, there it happened. He, 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 he denied his Lord. He denied his friend. He denied his pastor. And out of all the years that Peter has heard a rooster crow, I mean, he has heard a rooster crow countless times. He probably can't even count them, but this time was different. I believe he heard it in his soul. I mean, that rooster probably was loud, loud. It might've been a heavenly rooster, <laughs> like an amplified roost, <laughs> like all of heaven heard. Okay. But anyway, okay. So let's go to Luke 22 and 60, 60 and through uh, 60 through 62. And it says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying immediately while he was still speaking. The rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Woo. Y'all felt that, huh? Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord. He remembered And how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Wow. He actually denied his Lord. He actually denied his rabbi. He actually denied the one that he promised that he would die for. There's just certain days that I just break down crying, longing to hear my mom's voice. Longing to hear her say that she's proud of me. There's times that I catch Pastor John looking at uh, video clips of his, of his dad speaking because he wants to hear his voice. He wants to hear uh, that sound again, the, the, the reassuring sound of his father's voice. And just like Peter, that was the last time that he thought he'd ever see his Lord. And there his Lord looked at him on that third time that he looked at him. The last look that he had with the Lord, he looked at him after his denial. Can you imagine what that felt like? 
to remember that the last time that I spoke with or about my Lord, I was denying him. And he not only knew it, but he looked at me. Peter wept so bitterly. But Peter's tears were signs of his deep repentance. He realized at that moment what he had done and how far he had fallen, how his denial had hurt his Lord. Now listen, Peter wasn't the only one weeping. Remember Judas? Judas wept. But Judas weeping led him to a different place. But Peter weeping... After that rooster crowed, after that rooster of the new dawn, of the new beginning, of the new day, uh, after that, that rooster roasted or whatever you call it, roosting, after the rooster roasted, <laughs> after the rooster crowed, this new day appeared for Peter with his weeping that led to repentance. Because here's the thing, we may weep, but if our hearts aren't repentant, it's not leading us back to the feet of Jesus. It's leading us to death. Judas wept, but it left, led to death. But when Peter wept, it led to repentance. For Peter's, his tears signaled the breaking of his deceitful heart because of his sin. As the psalmist said, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. And so Peter, he was, he was, he was sad. He was heartbroken. He was sad that he hurt his Lord, but his weeping led to a new day. And so here's the thing, even though he didn't know what was in his wallet, even though he didn't really know what was in him, that he could get enough, have enough to make it to the end, his weeping and his repentance allowed the Lord to give him grace and mercy. Amen? Amen. As I get ready to close, what Peter didn't realize is that the crowing of that rooster didn't signify that he was a bad Christian. Which is probably what he thought initially. But the roosting, the crowing of that rooster signified a new beginning for Peter. A new day, a new era, a new man, a new heart was birthed. God took that heart of stone and gave him a heart of flesh. Because the old one just died that day with his tears. John 21, 15 through 17, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, because this is when Jesus was on the beach and Peter saw him and he ran to him and all that. Okay, so Jesus said to him, Simon, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he's like, man, I know why he's asking me this all this time. Because I messed up. I messed up that last time. So Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus knew what was in Peter's wallet. And he knew, Peter, if I can get you to say yes to me in every place that you've said no, I know that you'll have enough to endure. If I give you an opportunity to say yes, to say yes, and every time that you said no to me, I can allow that condemnation to come off of your life right now in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he knew Peter was heavy in guilt. Peter was heavy with the things that he did, not knowing Peter, it's your flesh, it's your heart, it's deceitfully wicked, but the Lord has given you a new heart. So because of that, Peter finished his race well, you guys. Despite of how he felt, despite of Jesus' death, Peter finished. God gave him another go at the finish line. 
Now see, what's beautiful about this is that because of Jesus' amazing grace, he gave him an opportunity to say yes in every place there was previously a no. So wherever you've denied Jesus before, I want to tell you something today, that he's setting up an opportunity for you to say yes again. Wherever you've drawn back from him before, he's setting up an opportunity for you to say yes again. Wherever you have turned your back on him because you thought things were too hard, he's setting up an opportunity for you to say yes again. Because there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He's setting up another opportunity right now for the, le- for the yes that you've always meant to give in your heart. So what's in your wallet? What's in your heart to do? We're not at the end yet. And so if you can't endure now, you won't endure later. So now it's time for us to pop the hood and for us to ask these hard questions. Lord, what's in my heart? What's going to entangle me? What's going to trap me? What's going to trip me up to keep me from following after you? Psalms 139 and 23, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test anxious thoughts like God knows me. He knows me more than I know myself. But sometimes we don't really want to know. Like, it's almost like in the morning time. It's like you're kind of scared to look in the mirror because it's like, how scary is it going to be? That's how it is when you ask the Lord to show you your heart. Sometimes we don't really even want to know ourselves. But if we don't ask these real questions and ask the Lord and allow the Lord to give us these real visions, sometimes the for you. So I don't care where you failed before. Check again. There's more. I don't care where you've drawn back again before. Check again. There's more. You've got more heart. You've got more love. You've got more strength. You've got more passion to finish. And not just finish, but to finish well. So God's asking you today, do you love me? Serve my church. Do you love me? Serve my pastors that I've given to you. Do you love me? Give your tithes. Allow your, your life and your legacy and your kids to be blessed. Don't just go after great moments. Go after having a great life. I don't want the Lord to prop me up like some fake prop. God, I want to have a great life. But that's going to take me having to endure to the end. Thank you so much. Stand to your feet. Let me pray for you guys. Or Pastor Matt's going to pray for you guys. You can do it. You can do it. Love you guys. Love you guys. All right, let's... uh... Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.